The following podcast contains true stories of sex, kink, gender, or body image. Thanks for being a consenting adult, because here we go. All of my life, I've never fit, but I won't complain and I won't quit. I am enormous, get used to it. Everyone tells me I'm too much. Maybe it's just you're not enough for me. Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be. Hi there, and welcome to the Body Storytelling Podcast. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour, and this week we have a story from the incredible drag performer Hecklina. Do I sound a little better this week? I feel a lot better. A lot's changed this week. It's really strange. I uh, have mentioned recently that I'm working on a Substack, which is like a newsletter, and there's a lot of things that I'm not going to put on the Dixie Ramble because this podcast would be me talking about my shit for a very long time. Last week, I cried for over 20 minutes. So let's not do that. Some of you like it. I got fan mail for the crying, but it's really hard to do. And uh, my plan for the Substack is uh, a lot of it's going to be audio. So if you like listening to me cry, you can still hear that on Substack. So there will be a link in the show notes so you can subscribe to that. It's a place where you can hear more about what my plans are because I'm kind of afraid to say what I'm thinking, but I'm starting to make plans. A lot has changed this week and I'm ready to move forward. And it might mean that I see you in person. (laughs) But I'm afraid to talk about it. So more will be revealed on Substack. And I'll tell you the story of how I got to that place. But meanwhile, I'm going to tell you about this week's story and how I decided to put that story on the podcast this week. Oh, and one more thing. I have a story that I'll be telling you next week. It'll be part of the Dixie Ramble. I have permission to tell it next week. They told me that I could tell it, but I can't tell it till next week. But it's a big part of why I'm feeling so much better this week. Sometimes we tell ourselves that the work we do in the world doesn't matter. I know that I do, Um, but I realized after a phone call I got earlier this week, that I was wrong. And my work really does matter. So I'm feeling much better. Uh, I pulled myself out from under that blanket that I've been laying under for, I don't know, three years. All of the pandemic, all of the depression, all of that. And I'm coming back to life. And I'm starting to realize a lot of things. And I'm starting to move forward. But let's talk about this week's story. 
Earlier this week, I went to Hecklina's memorial. Hecklina is a legend in the drag community based here in San Francisco. I will tell you a little bit more when we get closer to the story. Hecklina died on April 3rd and uh, died in London unexpectedly. Hecklina and Peaches Christ were together to perform in London to do this huge run of their drag shows in London and Peaches Christ woke up in the flat that they were staying in and found Hecklina dead and posted it on social media and all of us were in shock. Like Hecklina was sober, Hecklina was nobody expected it. And there's been so much death lately, but I was in awe of Hecklina. As I said when she was on my stage in the story that you'll hear, Hecklina was one of my idols. She was larger than life. She had that trademark cackle. Her laugh was one of those that set off everybody. Everybody had to laugh when Hecklina laughed. And she was so punk rock. She just owned how wrong her shit was. And I loved that about her. I tried for so long to get her on my stage. And it's very hard to get drag queens on my stage because their brand is like comedy. It's not real. And to have somebody get up there and be real, it's really difficult to get them to do that. And eventually, Hecklina agreed and had a great time telling a story on my stage. When they announced that they were going to be having a memorial for Hecklina at the Castro Theater, which is a 1,400-seat theater in the Castro District, I was away from my computer. And when they announced the tickets, when Peaches Christ announced the tickets, the tickets sold out in minutes. By the time I heard about it, they were long gone. Why was I away from my computer? And I didn't have a chance. And I put out from time to time, if anybody has an extra ticket to the Castro Theater, I would love to go to Hecklina's memorial. The day before the memorial, somebody said that they weren't able to go. And whoever had the best story from T-Shack could win the tickets. And I had a video of Hecklina at Body Storytelling. So I told the story of working with Hecklina on her story. How even though she was the consummate event producer and performed all the time, she still came to my live rehearsal. She still let me coach her story. She still sat there afterwards and we talked about our lives. We talked about the wild days. She told me stories, was just the nicest person and got on stage and killed, as you'll get to hear in the story. So I included that little snippet of a story, included a link to the video, and I'm thrilled to say that I won that ticket, so I was able to attend the memorial. I stood in line in the freezing cold because it was super windy and super freezing, and the line was very, very long to attend Hecklina's memorial. And like an idiot, I don't know. It's like June. Why would I think that it would be warm in San Francisco? But I didn't bring a coat, and I was so cold. But it didn't matter, 
because I was going to get to see. This was such an event. The people online were dressed. It was such a show. It was such eye candy. Drag queens, people dressed so beautifully. And eventually we got inside. It was packed. The show was incredible. If you're a Patreon member, I'm going to include a link to the entire live stream. The show was four and a half hours. My, the, the Castro Theater is a very old theater. My ass is big, and those seats were not designed for people with big asses. That was a long time to sit in a tiny, tiny seat. But it was worth it. The show was completely shocking. I'm going to include a link to my favorite part because it was so fucking wrong. And at a certain part during the show, they're showing pieces of uh, her performances over the years. There's live performance. There's video. And at a certain point during the video, they show Hecalina on stage at Body Storytelling. Everyone on my row gasps and looks at me. And suddenly, my phone starts blowing up. Now, the ringer's turned off, but my phone is vibrating because my, my purse is on my lap. And it is people who are taking photos of the Jumbotron because this is being broadcast out into the Castro. They've shut off all the streets, and people are sending me pictures of Body and Hecklina on stage at Body on the Jumbotron outside the Castro Theater. Hecklina was such a legend, not only did she sell out the 1,400-seat Castro Theater, she had thousands of people watching on the closed-off street on Castro Street, watching on the Jumbotron. And more than 10,000 people watched the live stream that was broadcast all over the world. They had an after party at the Oasis Theater, which Hecklina was the co-founder of, the largest drag theater in the world. And they partied till 3 or 4 a.m. I think I got home at about 12 or 1, and I was exhausted, and my ass hurt, and it was totally worth it. But nothing like a celebration like that to make you think your life really matters. You know, the work you do is so important. You don't have to be a Hecklina. But I'm sure Hecklina thought she was going to live another 20, 30, 50 years. And it all ended abruptly. And it made me realize I can't just sit on my fucking couch anymore. It's time to start making shit happen. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out and I'm going to start changing lives. I would really appreciate your help to make that happen. This is the time for you to send me that voice memo or send me that email because I'm scared. I'm going to do it anyway, but I'm scared. Hecklina made me realize I can't just sit in my house anymore. It's time to do it. The time is now. As the Bible people like to say, tomorrow is not promised and shit. Send me a letter and let me know you listen to this. Send me a voice memo even better. I love to hear your voice. I want to know what's going on in your life. And who knows? Maybe soon enough you and I can have a coffee in person and you can tell me what's going on with you. Because truthfully, that would be the best, wouldn't it?
Okay, it's time for this week's story. And I'm reading this bio to you from the program from Heclina's Memorial this week. This week's story is from Heclina, born Stephen Thor Grigelko. The format of an obituary feels small for someone like Stephen Grilko, a.k.a. Heclina. Or is that the other way around? Queer people tend to have two births, two lives, even two names. Our first life is birthed by someone else. Our second life, we give ourselves. So which life is an obituary supposed to tribute? What's more seismic? The day Stephen was born in 1967 or the night Heclina was created in 1991? What's their real birthplace? Minneapolis, where Stephen was born, or Hecla, the volcano in Iceland she named herself after? How do we mourn a volcano? Stephen Thor Gregelko was born June 17, 1967, a Gemini, in Hennepin, Minneapolis. After high school, he did a stint in the Navy in San Diego, then spent time in his mother's hometown of Reykjavik, Iceland. In 1991, at 24, he moved to San Francisco. He first worked at Tower Video in the Castro, then the historic Stud Bar. Heclina was concocted for a club Uranus pageant at the end up. In 1996, she founded Tranny Shack, a Tuesday midnight refuge of art, punk, and drag. It became an international success, with iterations from Reno to New York to London, inspiring countless baby queens and eventually evolving into mother in 2015, when she opened Oasis with partner Darcy Drollinger. Heclina dominated countless stages, sick and twisted players, parodies from Three's Company to Sex in the City to Trog, Midnight Mass, Peaches Christ Productions, the iconic Mommy Queerist, Daytime Realness, judging everything from drag pageants to cat shows with Sister Roma, and of course, creating the San Francisco tradition that is the Golden Girls Live. In 2019, Hecklina bought her dream home in the beautiful Cathedral City Cove, ready to bring her art to a new community. Then the obituary falls short again. Every one of these spaces was a reflection of something larger. A true artist embodies their medium. When we see a brush or an instrument, we hear their name. When we think of drag, we hear Hecklina. Hecklina is drag. Not glossy viral drag, but brass knuckle survivalist drag. Armor against the closet, cops, and AIDS drag. Dive bar neon and off-color jokes. Cheap shots and cheap wigs drag. Drag that saves lives. Her work was a feast for the cultural famine of queers beaten up by the 80s and 90s. Tranny Shack took a slur and transformed it into transgressive and transcendence. Hecklina's deep, ugly cackle held back a tide. It said something was right, no matter how wrong we had been told it was. And how we laughed and mourned, then laughed through our mourning in Hecklina's spaces. Hecklina taught us that there can be narcissism without competition. Performance does not need to be performative. And you aren't being handed a legacy. You have to fight for it. An obituary feels small because when a pillar like Heclina crumbles, our second birthplaces go with them. Maybe we aren't mourning a volcano after all. We're mourning our oasis. This storyteller 
is Hecklina. Hi, everybody. So, uh, you know, I've been, I've been saying no to Dixie for years whenever she asks me to do this. And I finally agreed to do it. And I didn't really know what to talk about. But then it came to me. You know, I do a podcast uh, every week. And we talk about sex a lot on the podcast. And a listener recently asked me what my top five strangest sex experiences were. And I had to, I had to break out a calculator. And then I, uh, I thought about it. And so I want to talk a little bit about my, my top five most bizarre or just strange to me sex experiences. And with, uh, I'm going to go in order from number five, least strange, to number one, the most strange. And within uh, the, one of these stories, I'm also going to talk about the first time I ever, or the only time I ever ate a vagina. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with them. <laughs> before you lesbians get all upset at me. I just never developed a taste for them. So uh, my, my number five experience is, uh, goes way back to when I was very young. I, was, I think it was 18 or 19, way before I'd put on my first eyelash. And I was um, in need of some money. And I was uh, kind of on the streets in San Diego. And I'd heard a story about this man who liked to get boys to come to his house and uh, do something that I couldn't believe he wanted me to do. But uh, I did get picked up by this guy, and I went back to his apartment, and the only thing he wanted me to do was to urinate in his, uh, in his fern plant. <laughs> <sighs> he didn't want to touch me. He didn't want to suck my dick. He didn't want me to suck his dick. He wanted me to, he gave me a ton of beer and then had me pee in his plant. And the leftover pee, he had me pee into a mason jar and he put it in the freezer. And I walked out of there and I had enough money to go party with, so that was amazing. My number four experience, so uh, over the years of doing drag, I've developed a serious fetish for straight cock. Um, and uh, one, of the, one of the best ways to do it is a lot of straight guys, sorry ladies to tell you this, but a lot of them are looking for a chick with a dick sometimes. It's just a fetish they want. So uh, I, Craigslist has been really, really helpful for me. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I really like them really super straight and you know, macho, and, and I was so thrilled to get this trick recently. He came over to my house and he was so macho. He had like a football player build and just really like, oh, you know, baseball cap and little uh, sweats and all that stuff. And I was just really excited. And, and we were going to town and then um, little by little he started to ask me if he could borrow or put on a pair of my pantyhose. And then he asked me if he could put on my bra. And then he asked me if he could put on a dress. And then he asked me if he could put, on, put in my fake tits. And then he asked me if he could borrow a wig. And finally he asked me if he could borrow heels. And before I knew it, there was another drag queen in front of me. <laughs> I had gone from having a trick with this person to all of a sudden being his drag mother. <laughs> and it kind of killed the moment for me. That was number four. Now number three, 
uh, is another uh, trick that I got from Craigslist. He's a recurring trick that I've had, um, a fuck buddy, if you will. And he, he texted me one day, it was in the middle of the day, and I was just driving back from Guerneville. I'd done a show there. And he's like, I want to come over. And I was like, yes, you know, because I didn't get any dick in Guerneville, and I was so excited. And, um, and I went back home, and I put on like 10-minute uh, drag, you know, just like the wig and a little bit of lipstick and didn't even bother putting on eyelashes or anything. And, just turn the lights down really low because, you know, <laughs> sometimes if you just turn the lights down really low and light a candle and they just squint and it's just good enough. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> just, just, they have to suspend disbelief after a while. Anyway, so I, but this was in the middle of the day and I was excited and horny. And then um, when my intercom rings, I can. Uh, I can go outside. I can go to my my bay window, look outside, and see who's buzzing from downstairs. So I, uh, my intercom buzzed uh, through my phone, and I ran over to the window. I was like, so excited to see him, and um, he had with him. He was holding the hand of a uh, what turned out to be a three-year-old girl, uh, a little girl who could not have, have fit the image more of a little girl had she been uh, Shirley Temple herself. She just looked, she had pigtails and all that, you know, just like a little girl. And I, I was talking to him over the phone, like, you know, the intercom went through and he was like, hi. And I said, hi, um, you have a little girl with you. He said, yeah, I'm just babysitting today. Can I bring her up with me? And I was like, <laughs> can anybody relate to the fact that in San Francisco, apartments are very small? I mean, it'd be wonderful I had, if I had a mansion and a little wing for this girl to go into. But I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know where we would put her, and why are you bringing her here? I mean, you're babysitting today? Well, why, why do you need to get your dick sucked today while you have this four-year-old girl with you? Moral of the story with this one, even I had my limits. All you shocked people up out, out there know I did not have the little girl sit there watching cartoons while I sucked this guy off, so. Yay! <laughs> Number two. So I'm famous in some circles for being a rim queen. I don't know, there's just something about rimming that I'm super, super into. And I don't know why nobody ever thought of this. Um, all my friends, you know, like, they, they knew for years, but nobody ever gave me this. And finally, somebody gave me Best gift ever, a rim chair. Do we know what a rim chair is here? Okay. All right, thank you. Is, is, can you raise your hands? Who do, they don't know what a rim chair is? Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a chair you sit in. It's, it's like they take the seat from the toilet seat, and they put it on, like, little... What? Am I being judged now or something? No. <laughs> So basically, basically you, can sit, you can sit in the chair and somebody can slide underneath and, and eat your butthole. Anyway, this was the best gift I ever got. And that ass, uh, no, that, that rim chair has seen more ass than the toilet at Grand Central Station. I swear to God, it has seen a lot of ass. And recently, this, this guy came over, a super hot trick that I've seen before, and Again, super macho and like a football player, just like I like him. He's a personal trainer. And, and uh, he sat down in my rim chair. I offered him a seat. 
and I was going to town on his butt, and I started to get the distinct impression that he wanted to poop on me. The reason why I got that impression was because he asked if he could poop on me. And I could tell his sphincter was starting to loosen. And it was an instant boner break. The moral of that story is, I love buttholes. I do not like what comes out of them. Again, even, again, even I have my limits. Even I have my limits. Children and poop. I don't go there. Animals, children, and poop. Sorry. Um, now, number one. I wish there was a drum roll sound effect. That this really is the best audience ever. Thank you. Well, so this goes way, way back again to my days when I was on the streets of San Diego and I was just living the life and doing what Jennifer was talking about, shooting up and just living the life of a kid on the streets. I wasn't shooting up heroin. It was speed. I got a lot more done. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but I had been invited to like a mini orgy at my girlfriend's house. There's a lesbian friend of mine and her girlfriend, and uh, I brought this guy over with me. I was, of course, really into the guy. And it turned out that the guy was super into the, the, the ladies. And so we all got really loaded, and went, we went to bed, and I was, I was trying to get the guy, but he was just so much into the girls. And uh, at some point, I, I attempted to eat the vagina of of uh, one of the girls in the bed with us. And I just put my face in it and I moved it around a little bit. And I don't think I did a really good job and I kind of was not that into it. And, and he was super into fucking the two girls. And so eventually I lost interest and I went out to the couch in the living room and I fell asleep. Now, in the morning, the next morning, there was a knock on the door and uh, it was the police. And they were looking for Sherry, uh, the girl whose vagina I'd eaten. And they asked if she was there, and I said, I looked around, I said, I don't think she's here. And they asked if they could come in and look for her, and, and they did come in and look for her, and they found her hiding in the closet of the, uh, the bedroom, uh, in the closet. The closet in the bedroom. They took her out. And they, they also kicked us out for most of the day while they were inside looking for something, and we were outside, and they wouldn't tell us what they were looking for. It finally transpired they were looking for a murder weapon. Right before she came to this mini orgy, or a four-way, we can't even call it an orgy, it's a four people having sex. Right, right before she came to this four-way, she, uh, she had gone up to her father who was sleeping on the couch in his living room and she had stabbed him in the eyeballs four times. And then she came to this orgy, she was giving things away and saying she was gonna go on a little trip and everything. We didn't think much of it, we just went, started having sex. And it later transpired that she said that satanic voices had told her to do it to kill her father, and um, when I thought about it later, I thought, well, she does drive that black pickup truck with like 666 license plate, and she listens to ACDC, so it kind of made sense. <laughs> so, to wrap it up, it was a satanic pussy. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the only vagina I ever ate. That's it.
That song was You Only Live Once, which I refer to as the Asshole Song, and was originally known as Dingleberry Blues, and which debuted at Body Storytelling, and is written and performed by Rachel Lark. I'm really focusing on gratitude these days, and I want to say thank you to people like new patrons, Rabin, GP, Jill, and Maya, who just signed up to support us on Patreon. Thank you to one-time supporters Stephanie, Stacy, Elena, Chloe, and especially to Zach, who sent gifts. And it means so much right now because I haven't been able to work. And I don't know when I'll be able to work again. <laughs> and knowing that you listen and that you care... Holy shit, y'all. I don't know that I'd make it through this without you. 
And honestly, y'all, up until the last couple of weeks, I was seriously about to give up. I've been looking online at jobs <laughs> and realizing that nobody's going to hire me. All you got to do is Google me. So what was I going to do? But things are starting to change. And you bought me that time. I'm not there yet. But I think I can come back. So while I regroup, consider making a one-time donation. I'm body storytelling on Venmo, Cash App, Buy Me a Coffee, PayPal. The best way to support body is on Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash body. I forgot that part. Yeah, slash body. Thank you so much. I mean, some of y'all have been sticking with me for three years. Some of you, like the people I just listed, are brand new. And every single one of you are my family. And if I'm honest, you've been way better to me than my actual family. Which is why my dream is to come out and spend time with you. My actual family. Not just my actual family. My chosen family. We're at the end of the episode. Before we go, can I ask you to, I don't know, <laughs> what should I ask you to do? I don't even have a brain at this point. How about subscribe? That'd be good. Um, give it five stars, maybe? Write us a review. I know that that always makes me feel so much better to read your words. Here's a storytelling pro tip. Use any word other than amazing. <laughs> Every time I read the word amazing, I'm like, what does that word mean? Does it mean anything anymore? Okay, shut up, Dixie. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you can write anything you want as long as you write it. How about that? That's all that matters. And um, thank you for listening to me babble. And thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Thank you to David Grossoff, Donald Mooney, Mosa Maxwell Smith, Joe Moore, who recorded the video of Heclina on the body storytelling stage. And it was so exciting to see it up on the Jumbotron in front of the Castro Theater and to see it on the screen at the Castro Theater this past Tuesday night. Oh my God. I felt God, that was life changing. The Castro Theater, y'all. Legendary. And Heclina is legendary. Gonna remember that for the rest of my life. Okay, what was I doing? Oh, thank yous. Okay, thank you to Joe Moore. Thank you to Royland James. And thank you to podcast producer Roman Den Haudeker. I'm sexual folklorist Dixie Delator. This has been episode 269 of the Body Storytelling Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Oh.